we are going to go ahead and get started. Um, welcome again to another episode of In the Damn Way, Life, Love, and Everything in Between. I am your host and creator, Brandy Alexander, the real Brandy Alexander. <laughs> and I welcome you tonight to our show titled, Replenishing Your Self-Esteem Through Your Flaws. So last week, we were talking about colorism. And if you missed it, I'm sorry, um, I didn't post it. I didn't want to post it um, because I felt like there was more that needed to be said about the whole colorism um, and what it does to you. Um, but before I actually get into that topic, I just want to talk about um, flaws, right? So people truly have misconceptions about beauty or um, what it means to have flaws. Some people feel like, and, and I'm talking more so to the younger people, some people feel like um, that you have to be perfect. You have to, you have to have this cute shape. You have to have this beautiful hair. You have to have it all together in order to be considered, um, perfect. Lies. Okay. Um, but the thing about those things is when we look out into the world and we look on social media, everybody is portraying that perfect is the best way to be. Right. If you're if you're not perfect, if you're not trending, if you're not this, you're not that you're not in this circle of those of the haves. Right. You're part of the have nots. You don't have it because you're not what society is telling you is, is beautiful or society is telling you it's perfect. And and so tonight, I definitely want to step on that because. A lot of a lot of the things that society wants you to be messes with your self-esteem really, really bad. Um, and as a person who has dealt with self-esteem um, issues, I'm here to tell you, like, it's not fun to have to reinvent yourself. Not fun. And so I feel for those who um, try to raise themselves to what society considers beautiful or con considers to be the trending thing to be because unfortunately trends come and trends go. That's just, that's the nature of a trend. It doesn't stay around. It's not going to last forever. So while you're trying to get yourself to be what the end thing to be is today, someone somewhere is already on to something else and just waiting for it to trickle down to your circle of people. And so I thought about several different places where self-esteem plays a part in the types of things that affect your self-esteem. And you may fall into one of these categories, but nevertheless, these are just some of the categories that um, spark my interest because I know these are some of the categories that I found self-esteem issues in. Uh, when we talk about school, um, for those that are in high school, maybe you're not the smartest. Right. Maybe it takes you. You may not be in advanced classes. You may be in regular classes. Some some may consider that a flaw or you may be in the regular classes, but you may be even slower than the regular people. Um, people use that as a flaw. Um, you don't have the trendy attire. So let's just say it's skinny jeans. But uh, unfortunately, you don't have skinny jeans. Um, all you have are boot cut jeans. So, you know, you you don't fit in. So now people want to um make you feel some type of way because you're not wearing the trendy attire. Maybe you're not in the in crowd. Maybe your friends are um, uh, the the smart group, uh, what they call it, or you may be the gothic group, or you may be whatever group. You're not the, the, the in group. The, the, uh, the girls that roam the halls or the guys that play on the, the sports team who have it all together or look like they have it all together. Maybe you're not with that group. So then we have a um, a self-esteem issue. And maybe you're bused to a wealthy school and your parents are, aren't wealthy. Um, <clears throat> and so you don't have what the other kids have. So while they may be driving their Mercedes, you're catching the bus. So while they're going to the mall after work, you have to go to work um, at the mall. Um, they're going to the mall to shop. You're going to the mall to actually work because you need the money to help out at home. Um, those are just examples when we talk about school. So let's talk about home. 
differences in the home that cause uh, self-esteem issues. Maybe your siblings are lighter or darker. Um, that was a thing for me. Um, I was the lightest one in my family. So, you know, um, for my mom, that was an issue. Now, for my sister, maybe she felt some type of way that I was lighter because lighter was considered better in um, our uh, family. But then had I been darker, maybe I would have been more like this is how I felt more liked by my mom had I been darker, but I was not darker. So um, that played a part. And then we want to talk about maybe you have a different mother or father. So if you're in step homes or, um, you know, and maybe your, your stepmom and dad or however the situation is, maybe they have a child and, you know, that child gets more attention because you have a different dad and that may not be your dad or you have a different mom because, that may not be your mom. So you deal with that self-esteem issue. Maybe your sibling is smarter than you. Maybe you're in all advanced classes. You're on a cheerleading squad. You run track. You do this. You do that. And your uh, sister or brother is barely making it um, in whatever grade that they're in. And maybe you develop different. Right? So everybody develops at different times in life. I know when I first started to... Um, go through puberty. My body did not go the way everybody else's body was. Um, I was very skinny. I did not gain weight until after I started having children. But um, I was very skinny. I had little to no breasts. Um, I was what they call part of the itty bitty titty committee. So that was um, a self-esteem issue. Um, my hair was not flowing down my back. I kept a shortcut by, because I wanted to. But nevertheless, when I saw the girls with the long hair, I'm like, or they have their hair done, um, that was an issue. Um, and then let's move it over to a religious side. Um, let's just say you're going to church. You're going to church, you're divorced. Everyone else in church is married or widowed. You know, you're, you're coming in, you're divorced. Um, or maybe your child has a, a child out of wedlock, or maybe you are a teenage parent, um, or maybe your child is a teenage parent, or maybe you're dealing with homosexuality within your, your family, or maybe your significant other left for someone else. All of these things, and I'm just giving you random situations, and um, I see Dana has put in the chat that me too on one of the... Um, the the points that I made, but um, all of those situations can drive your self-esteem. For the most part, it does not make your self-esteem better. It actually makes it worse because at the end of the day, you're looking at these people or these things and saying, if I only. What you do not understand is that just because they're different or you're different, doesn't make you any less of a person. But now that's easier said than done, right? Especially if you're a teenager and you're in high school, that's easier said than done. Or maybe you're coming out of a an abusive relationship and starting over and you're divorced and you know, you're having problems with your children. It's difficult to fathom all the all of the things that can cause your self-esteem to plummet. The problem is is that People literally have no heart when it comes down to meeting a person, right? We automatically prejudge a person before we even get to know them. If your self-esteem is messed up, it's a wrap. And I don't even think it has anything to do with self-esteem. I think it's more of just people being people. But why? Is the question. Why are we not secure enough in ourselves to say, you know what? Hey, girl, I love your hair, you know, and not feel any type of jealousy, envy, um, anything bad about yourself or maybe, maybe I shouldn't have cut my hair. Maybe I should put some weave in it so mine can look like that or why, why my hair don't curl up like that, you know, to, to eliminate all of that anxiety. How do we get here? I did some deep thought 
um, throughout this whole week and even on colorism. Um, and it takes us all the way back to when we were brought here. And this going to be a sticky, sticky subject, but I'm just going to have to say it. Um, when we were brought here, we were brought here and we were divided amongst beauty, amongst strength, amongst whatever else that they used to identify us. So where we did not, we did not recognize that we were a group. We were a family. We came to a new place and they divided us. Um, and then after they divided us, some people got treated like this. Others got treated like that. What we, what we started to do generationally is bring that into our families. We didn't think about it. You know, we, we, we really didn't. Um, but it happened. I was um, thinking about the uh, movie uh, about Madam T.J. Walker. And I don't know if you guys have seen it with Olivia Spencer um, on Netflix. But nevertheless, very good, very good movie as it relates to being different and how and what it does to your self-esteem. So here you have Madam T.J. Walker who gained weight, husband didn't want to be with her and, you know, her self-esteem plummeted real bad. And so she meets this woman who is long hair, light skin, considered to be beauty, right? She's light, so she has got to be right on all levels. And so she starts to treat Madam C.J. Walker's hair. And when Madam C.J. Walker's hair flourishes, Madam C.J. Walker wants to go out and tell the people about this product, about this woman who's, who's done this miracle to her hair. And the woman says that she is not an example of what beauty is. And so she cannot do it. But now to the flip side of that story, her mom the one who was doing Madam C.J. Walker's hair, I'm sorry, I don't know um, her name, um, but her mom had been raped by the master of their plantation. And out of that came this red, light-skinned, fair-skinned woman with long hair, and her mom basically said and her mom was a dark-skinned woman um just like madam cj walker and her mom's response to her was and i'm paraphrasing here i sent you uh, like you're you're beautiful you're light-skinned you're supposed to be out there making money i let you i i let whatever happened happened so that you can go out there and make sure you take care of me. You have to take care of me because of who you are. And I know that you can make it because of what your skin looks like and what your hair looks like. Both ladies suffered deeply because of what society told them what beauty was. Both of them suffered because of their flaws. This woman was made out of rape. I can't imagine what that did to her self-esteem. Um, and, and she felt like she had to put others down. So anytime you have to put someone else down, you definitely have a self-esteem issue. I'm sorry. That's just period point blank. But then you have on the flip side, you have Madam C.J. Walker who, you know, husband had left her and beat her and, you know, all her hair had fallen out who was, you know, trying to make it in a world where she was not what society looked at as a businesswoman, as someone who would make it. And so I said all of that to say, it doesn't, there is no perfect regimen. No perfect regimen whatsoever. Um, when we look at social media, we look at these stars, beautiful, beautiful. But when, you know, it came out that, um, Jay-Z allegedly cheated on Beyonce. Beyonce is one of the most beautiful women in the world, according to society. And this happened to her. So my question is, why do we wake up and allow our self-esteem to take over? 
It doesn't help us accomplish anything. It doesn't help us become anything. All it does is weigh us down with stress and guilt and shame. And we can't produce good fruit if we're living in bad fruit. So I did a little exercise today to kind of go with the conversation. And I hope you guys are following me pretty well. Um, I wrote down my flaws. I am a teenage parent, divorcee, I'm an adulterer, I'm a high school dropout. I have stolen, I have lied, I have cheated, I have smoked, I have drank. And I'm not talking about just drank a glass of wine. I have drank in excessiveness to where I was drunk. Now, a lot of people would take this clip from this podcast and post it and talk about me. And that's fine. I want you to talk about me. Because when, I, when now when you talk about me, I want you to also say, I'm a homeowner. I'm a survivor. I'm very much so educated. I'm a CEO. I'm an author. I'm a mother who watched all her children, even though she had them as a teenage parent, as a teenager, uh, two of them as a teenager, watched all of them walk across the stage. Two of them graduated from college. Um, I live by myself and I take care of myself and my children when they were children. They're adults now. But nevertheless, and I also have a nonprofit to where I give back my time. I give back my money. I give back everything that someone gave to me at one point. I give it back to someone else who can use it so that they can come out of their situation. But it took me a long time to recognize who I am. And for the longest time, I lived in who I was. I lived in what I had done because I allowed other people to tell me that's who I was. I hope y'all hear me and catching what I'm saying. There are a lot of people out here who would like to nail you to the cross because of who you was and what you've done or what you're doing. Those type of people can walk away, kick rocks, burn for all I care because they do not help those who are actually suffering from the things that they've gone through. Now, when I look back over what I've gone through or who I was or um, what I am, because even though I'm not a teenage parent, that's still that's still me. I can't change that. Only thing that I can say that I'm delivered from would be what I have done. Can't change who I am, what makes up me. But it does not validate who I am. I'm able to sit here flat-footed, ten toes down, and speak to others who are out there who are dealing with what they're dealing with in order to help change generational curses, break chains. There was a time I wasn't in that place. I was looking for someone to save me. And so as we talk about flaws and we talk about the countless things that colorism does, um... It just puts a burden on your self-esteem. Again, my family has a big issue with the light versus the dark. I'm neither. Okay? There are people in my family that are lighter than me. There are people in my family that are darker than me. I'm right down the middle. The problem with being down the middle is I get to hear it from both sides about how they feel. And I understand how they feel. Because maybe I don't understand in the colorism, but I understand in the flaw area. And although colorism is not a flaw, it's still a thing that we consider not to be of or like anything else that we may be around. And so therefore, we consider it a flaw when it's not. Because you're wonderfully made no matter what color you are, no matter what you have that others don't have. But for conversation piece, we're going to call it a flaw, right? I didn't share the same flaw as everybody else. 
but I'm able to understand because I had flaws that were pointed out by certain people. That flaw of light versus dark that my mom suffered from her sisters and brothers um, or mom, I'm not sure who gave it to her. I'm just telling you what was given to me. She ended up passing it over into our family. When she passed it over into our family, it became a problem between me and my sister, right? My sister felt like um, I was this and that because I'm of the lighter skin. And to be honest, I was so afraid of being dark because I had heard all the stories from the darker skinned people on being dark. So it made me a new flaw. It made my sister have a new flaw because of what was done to my mom. It's hurtful. It's very hurtful. And it can take years to overcome. And when I say years, I say years. Okay, I'm 42 and my mom and I have just started having that conversation in hopes of repairing our relationship, hopefully soon, but it takes time because you're talking about years of hurt and pain to get to where, uh, I mean, years of hurt and pain that we have to go through in order to get to years of happiness and future and hope and all that good stuff. We have to work through all of that first. And so going back to the movie I was talking about, it took Madam C.J. Walker years, years to to stand, you know, on her feet and, and be confident in what she was doing and become the woman that she knew that she could become. It took her years. But within that, she developed a flaw. She's provoking uh, flawless behavior on her daughter, who may or may not have been um, a lesbian. I'm not sure, but she didn't want anything to be to have a flaw within their family because she had already been through that. And so now you want your daughter to pretend, put a mask on, pretend that she's not in love. And this is according to the movie. She's not in love with another um, woman because it puts a stain on the family. That's exactly what flaws and low self-esteem does. It makes you put on a mask and you want everything around you to be perfect. Nothing around me is perfect. I have been broke. I have been fired. I have been dumped. I have been homeless. I have been, I have had bad credit. Again, like I told you, I have stolen, I have lied, I have cheated, and I tried to fix it all with smoking and drinking. That's me. That's the bad part of me, if that's what you call a bad part of me, that's me. Um, and for a long time, I tried to hide it. I put my mask on. When I showed up, I was cute. We got our name brand clothes, we got our name brand shoes. Nobody knows that my credit card is maxed out because, you know, I'm making sure we all got it. Or my account is overdrawn because we got it all together. Got my mask on. Oh, yeah. Dana says those masks were it. Exactly. Exactly. I wore mine. Faithfully, I showed up to church with it. I showed up to school with it. I showed up to work with it. I actually showed up to my friends with it. My friends can't tell you much about me. They probably learning more through my podcast than they have over the years that they've known me. Um, but, you know, I kept my circle small because I didn't want anybody to know that, you know, I didn't have it all together. It wasn't until I met people in my life that loved me. Just me. Just me, that I was able to open up and talk about my flaws. Oh, yeah. 
Girl, I grew up, we were broke. I'm still broke. I need to borrow some money right now. My account overdrawn. I got to use my badge at work to get some food because I ain't even got nothing in my freezer to eat. These are the types of conversations I was able to have with my friends. But it wasn't until I started to understand that flaw or not, I'm still wonderfully made. No one gets to take that from me. Um, positions at work. I ran a whole office. And when I tell you I crawled my way to the top, I worked as a medical assistant. I worked uh, as helping my uh, secretary. I did the front desk. I did medical records. I did uh, answering the phones. I did everything. And when I came to be manager, I did that too. Supervisor, I'm sorry. Came to be supervisor, I did that too. And when it was time to become manager, the AVP, vice president, assistant vice president, says to me, mm, I don't think you're ready yet. Now, had I not already started to discover who I was and discover that I was wonderfully made, I would have believed him. I would have went back to my desk and I would have worked 10 times harder and I would have tried to prove myself to this man because I don't want to be seen as anything other than that girl. But at that point, I had already figured out who I was. I had already addressed my flaws. I had already addressed my past in some aspects. So then my, my question to him was, well, if I'm not ready, tell me what I need to do to get ready. His response was, I don't know. So my response was, okay. Okay. And I began to look for my exit. I was no longer willing to stand around and let someone else tell me I was not good enough or I did not have this because I didn't have a college degree. Or I didn't know this because I, you know, came from a broken home. And, you know, my ex-husband was a drug dealer and I was a teenage parent and um, I dropped out of high school. I don't care how much I dropped out of high school. I know more than some of your people in here with master's degrees. Please don't play with me. But I stopped allowing him, I stopped allowing people to tell me who I was. And I started to tell people who I was. You don't get to address me as, hey, aren't you that girl who um, boyfriend, I mean, ex-husband was in prison? I literally had people talking to me that way. Literally, I'm not playing. Oh, this is Brandy, her husband. This is how people introduce me. Her husband is in prison. She's a single parent. Okay. And that means what again? I became able to laugh at some of the things that I had gone through. I was able to talk about some of the things that I had gone through. Not everything. Some things. I'm talking more now than I've talked in my entire life. But nevertheless, I became freely, free, freer and open enough to be confident enough to say, you know what? I'm not ashamed of that. Yeah, he sure is. I'm waiting on him to call me right now. Yeah. Yeah, I dropped out. Yeah, I got three kids, you know, and they all in the two in the Duke TIP program, probably smarter than you. And you have a whole life bachelor's degree and they're 12 years old. These are the types, this is the type of mentality mentality that I started to have, but I started to believe in me. I started to believe in me. I didn't wait for somebody else to make me believe in me. I started to do it on my own. When I, when I dealt with relationships or situations, I did that. You didn't make me do it. I did that. And when I was ready to go, I was ready to go. Feel how you want to feel about it. I'm out. 
Don't call me. I won't call you. Matter of fact, I'm blocking your number. Friendships or... I don't know. I don't even know how to say friendships because, again, I, I don't have that many friends. And I've met people along the way who thought that we were friends. But, it, yeah, I'm good. You're not going to make me live in my flaws because maybe I'm not married. Or maybe I'm not able to do that. Or maybe I'm not able to go there. You know what? You able to go? Great. I, I'm glad for you. I can't go. But you're not going to make me feel any type of way. So therefore, since you feel like you need to make me feel some type of way for not being able to do what you're doing, I have to let you go. But now before, I would have taken my money out of my 401k or got a payday loan. Oh yeah, I did that too. Got a payday loan. Did whatever I needed to do to show up and be wonder, you know, you're wonderful and put my mask on and, you know, I'm hanging out with this group. I must be important. Them groups ain't important. And half of them was so unhappy, it wasn't even funny. I remember one time going to this woman's house. It was during the holidays. And beautiful home on the golf course. Just beautiful. I mean, beautiful. Laid. They had it going on. When it's time to go, she begging me to stay because of what her husband may or may not do to her. And I'm looking at this situation like, what? This is stuff I go through. I thought this was a broke people problem. You mean to tell me you stand out here on the golf course and this is the problem you have? I stopped putting people on pedestals that they didn't belong on. If I'm going to put anybody on a pedestal, it's going to be me. Nobody else. Because I was putting people up there who didn't belong. And I was putting myself down here where I know I didn't belong. But I did that because I was making other people feel big and making me feel worse. Me feel low because I was so ashamed of my flaws, of my past, of who I was, of what I've done. Why? They had done and did and gone through a whole lot more than I had. So I want to talk about what I did in order to replenish myself after my self-esteem. Right? That's today's show. Replenishing your self-esteem through your flaws. So I know my flaws. I know what I've done. I know what I, where I've been. I know who I am. Some of it I consider a flaw. Some of it consider I consider a part of me, right? When I dropped out of high school, that was on me. I ain't have to. I was smart enough to graduate. I'm in advanced classes. I'm college material. But I did. So now what do I do after that? I had to learn who I was and stand in there. That which, is, which was the hardest thing to do and something that I still struggle with. There's still, and I'm not, I'm not telling you that you're going to one day click and it's going to be on and you're going to be, I'm still struggling with that because I never want to feel braggy. I never want to feel like I'm better than anyone else because I know that we all have our own past and flaws to worry about. Like, and I never want anyone to want anyone to feel like um I'm 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 downplaying who they are in order to, you know, lift up who I am. So learning who I was and standing in that has and is the most important part of replenishing myself, replenishing my self-esteem. I didn't know I was an author until I started writing. I didn't know I was a CEO until I became one. I didn't know that I could give back to the community until I start doing it. I didn't know that I could go back to school and become what I wanted to become until I actually did it. I didn't know 
that I could keep my children from having teenage babies until they actually done it. I didn't feel like I had that kind of energy, that kind of strength, that kind of momentum about myself because I had always told myself and people, I allow other people to tell me, mm, girl, you ain't going to make it. It's going to be hard. I don't know how you're going to do that. And I started second guessing myself. And when I done it, I'm like, oh, darn, I can do that. I can accomplish that. Oh, it's time for me to start standing on who I am. Here I am allowing somebody else to have me standing on what they believe I am. What about me? That's number one. Number two, forgive yourself for what you feel needs to be forgiven. Now, I've told you guys all about what I've done. I didn't say all of it, but I've told you guys some of the things that I've done. And I told you guys about some, some of the things that I refer to myself as being. I'm not even getting ready to tell you that I regret doing a lot of the stuff that I've done. I'm not bragging about it, but I'm not going to tell you I regret it. And because I don't regret it, I'm not going to say, oh my God, I need to repent for that. Because I meant to do it. I did it. I know I did it. And I'm living with it. I'm living with my decision. And when I look at my children, having my first child at 16 and my next one at 17 or 18, I ain't ashamed about that. I love my children. Now, I wish I had waited so I could have given them more out of life. But then I'm glad I had them when I did because I was able to grow with them and teach them things in the moment. I wasn't ashamed to say I was this or I wasn't ashamed to talk about that because I had already been through it. Now, there were some things that they surprised me with I wasn't ready for. But nevertheless, it happened. And I'm young enough and open enough now to where we can have more conversations. But I'm not going to forgive everything that I've done, but I will forgive what I feel like needs forgiven. Because if I'm ashamed of anything, then that gives people room to talk about me in that area. Understand what I'm saying? So I, I no longer want anyone to be able to uh, give me their opinion about me through my flaws. I want you to be able to give me your opinion of me because of who I am. And so if I stand on who I am and I have forgiven all that I have forgiven about me, you can't use that against me. But if I'm still holding on to it and ashamed of it and you know, you find out about it and then I'm like, oh Lord, you know, I'm giving you the right to use that against me and I refuse to have my self-esteem torn down now that I've built it up to the way it is. Sorry for my haters, but not going to be able to do it. Next, after you have learned who you are and standing in it, forgive yourself for the things that you feel like needs to be forgiven. Then I need to, for you to establish who you are, right? So learning who you are and establishing who you are is two totally different things. I learned who I was through my experiences, right? When I went to college, when I, my boys graduated, when I bought the home, I found out who I was. I didn't stand on who I was until after the fact. When I realized who I was, oh, you can't take that away from me. Now I want to do more of that. I want to have more than just one home. I want to, you know, send other people, children to college. That's when you, that's when you realize who you really are, establishing who you really are. Because now I can say what I want to do because I know who I am. But first, I have to figure that part out. Now I can set some, some ground rules on where we're going in life. Last but not least, and this is the most important one. Most important one. Create boundaries from people and things that highlight your flaws. Y'all, 
Let me tell you something. My circle is about this big. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And that's family, friends, associates. It don't matter. It don't matter. Church people, it don't matter. I took my circle from being this big to this big. Why? Because I was giving too many people access to me. And because they had so much access to me, um, and I'm the type of person that will pick up when you ring or when you call, um, I was giving them too much permission into my life. And so they felt the need to speak on my life. You can't speak on anything you didn't have any hand in fixing, changing, or in the beginning, messing it up. You got no right to speak on that. But these people thought they had a right to do that. So I had to create some new boundaries. And I ain't done creating boundaries. Um, creating boundaries is something that you're going to find you're going to constantly have to do. Because people constantly change. And I'm constantly seeing things in people that maybe I didn't see yesterday. So now, well, I was able to talk to you for an hour. Now you can only get about five minutes of my time. I may not cut you off altogether. Um, or I may not cut you off right now. Because you still have potential to do better. But consistently showing up as wrong doesn't consistently keep you in my life. It helps me to chip away and create those new boundaries so that I can live a peaceful life. So that I can enjoy my flaws and laugh at them and, and, and tell other people about them. And hopefully help other women, children, boys, whatever, understand that you're going to make mistakes. You're going to be different. No two people are ever going to be the same. I had said something one time, and I can't even remember how I said it, but um, we are all different. But we all are the same because we are different. Everybody's the same because no two people are alike. Even twins. There is something that's going to, one is going to be different than the other. That's the one thing we have in common common is that we're all different but that's the one thing that makes us unique is that we are different so why am i trying to be like somebody else why am i trying to have the same hairdo that dana's here let me let me just use dana as an example let me I, why am I trying to have the same hairdo as Dana? Why am I trying to live the same life as Beyonce? Why am I trying to dance like Chris Brown? None of them people have the same DNA makeup, mindset, none of it as me. So why am I trying so hard to change myself to be like somebody when we're all the same? Because we're not alike. So I'm going to stop giving my self-esteem away to things and actions and people and anything else that makes me feel inferior. And I'm going to start saving that so that I can be the superior person in my life for me so that I can continue to progress. I don't want to be Superior over nothing else in life. That ain't got nothing to do with me. Except for me. So I can say when. And I can say how. And I can say where. And I can say who. But as long as my self-esteem is jacked up. And everyone else has uh, a, a position that plays in my, in, in, in my life. That tells me who I should be. I'll continue to have a problem. I'll continue to feel like. I'm not good enough. I hope y'all caught it. I thought that was very good. I mean, like I said, I've been meditating on this thing the whole week. And I typically do. 
Um, I don't just come off the cuff and say, you know, whatever piss me off. I don't, I don't operate in that, in that, in that, um, realm. And I won't, I won't start operating in that realm. But what I will say is, you know, when I'm giving it to you, it's something that's deep in my heart. And again, self-esteem is something that we all have an issue with because we're so busy trying to be like someone else. And when we had the topic last week about colorism, and I got off the phone and I was talking to one of my friend girls and we were talking about how if a light-skinned boy made her mad, she wanted to be with dark-skinned boys. And if a, a dark-skinned boy made her mad, then she was back on light-skinned boys. If a heavy guy made her mad, then she didn't like heavy guys no more. Now she likes skinny guys. All these things that we, ju we judge people and tear down their self-esteem. But we're all different. So why does it even matter? If you piss me off, then I'm going to blame you. I don't want to be bothered with you. But I can't keep grouping people and saying that, oh, all the light-skinned girls, I don't like y'all. Or all the all the boys with um, with um, Cadillacs, I don't like y'all because, you know, my ex had a Cadillac and I don't, I, don't like, I don't like men with Cadillacs. We tearing people down when we ought to be lift, lifting people up. And that's generationally so deep. It's going to take a lot to change things. But it can be changed. It can be changed. How can it be changed? I'm going to reiterate once again. Learn who you are and stand in that. No matter what you do. I know that I'm adulterer. I know that I am a divorcee. I know that I'm a teenage parent. I know that I was a high school dropout. And guess what? And I ain't looking and checking for nobody. I got my kids through school. I ended up graduating and going on to college. So why am I so hell-bent on what I did years ago? No, no, no. We're not doing that. Forgiving yourself for what you feel needs to be forgiven. Nobody else gets to tell you what that is. If you feel like it was wrong when you've done it, or you feel like you need to forgive yourself for it so that you can move forward, do that. It's okay. I had to forgive myself or allow myself to be in an abusive relationship from age 14 to 20-something years old. And that's okay. I did that and I forgive myself for that because there are some things I did not know and that's okay. But no one gets to judge me and say, oh girl, why you stay with him so long? Cause I did. Yeah, cause I did. And if you didn't help me uh, by giving me a place to stay or you didn't help me by getting me some counseling, it's none of your business. Why you still with your ex-husband? He in prison. Because I am. Yeah. Unless you're getting ready to pay my rent or help me take care of my kids. Does it really matter? How does that affect your life? I don't feel bad about what I did. I'm not going to let you make me feel bad about it either. Realize who you are. Establish who you are. Okay, I know what I've accomplished. So now I know who I am. Now that I know who I am, I'm about to tell you what I'm getting ready to do. And then create boundaries from people, things that tear down your self-esteem. Because baby, I'm going to tell you something. It's easy to be broken. It's hard to be put back together. It's hard to be put back together. Trust me, I've been putting myself together for the last 10 years. It ain't easy. And I'm still not done. But I guarantee you what, that's the one thing I will never give up on ever again is me. No one gets to tell me you've done enough. When it comes to me, I've never done enough. I'm just getting started. I hope you guys have enjoyed the show. I do want to put two things out there. One, um, if you don't um, know me, I do have a nonprofit. It's called Love First. Um, we do things throughout the community. Um, and so I did want to put that out on this platform as well. 
Um, if you want to follow us on uh, Facebook or um, Instagram, it is Love First. Um, and that's F-I-R-S-T. And then also, I also do CPR training. So if you are looking for someone who does um, CPR training, you can reach me at love, the number one, sthealthservices.com. Um, check out our website. And it also has the website to uh, Love First where we do community activities. But I'm just out here living my best life um, and giving back to those um, trying to help change communities, break generational curses in any and every way that I can. Um, we have our annual Friendsgiving coming up in December. We're looking for volunteers as well as donations. So if you know of anyone who is um, looking for something to do to give back to someone during the holidays, please reach out to us. Um, but I just want to thank you guys for joining me every week and hearing what I have to say because it's real. And and the sad thing about it is we're so afraid to have the conversations because we're afraid of what people are going to say. Well, I'm just here to tell you, people are going to talk about you, whether you're doing good or you're doing bad. So you may as well put it out there yourself so that can't nobody talk about you. Create your narrative. Like I said, stand on who you are. Stand in it. I'm 10 toes down in me. You can't talk about me. You can, but it won't go far. So um, I, I encourage you to please share this on your social media, share this with your friends, um, invite someone to come and have a conversation. We do have live conversations um, if you ever want to be a part of the show. But guys, I'm not stopping. I'm just getting started. So I thank you guys for joining me. I look forward to seeing you next week. I will um, post what the conversation is going to be about because I was telling y'all what it was going to be about and I was planning for what it's going to be about. But now I'm going where my heart leads me. And so as my heart leads me is, is what the name of the show. I do have show topics ready, but it's just whichever one I'm ready to um, talk about. So join me next Tuesday, 7 p.m. live on IG and Facebook. We'll have our next conversation. And you guys have a wonderful week. If you're trick-or-treating, be safe. Have a good night.